Lions on Leashes is, I'm so excited, is supported by great expectations, custom charcuterie boards, custom way I want my meat, and I want my cheese, and I want my crackers that I'm going to have with wine. I am so, so excited for this partnership. And Nadine at Great Expectations launched a virtual build your own cheese board workshop. And she's offering one on Valentine's Day as a special couples activity. And since we're all at home in the same pajamas we've been in for five days, no judgment there. um, I think this is a really, really cool activity. And she also has custom Valentine's Day graze boxes as well that you can purchase if you don't want to do an activity activity with someone that you're with or if you're by yourself which is totally cool too having your own custom box to exactly how you want it and the exact cheese that you want I mean treat yourself right so use the code lions214 that's l-i-o-n-s 214 to get an extra jar of jam with your grace box or five dollars off your virtual workshop registration fee to take advantage of this promotion visit great dash expectations.com or you could visit her Instagram handles at great.expectations.ny Welcome back to Lions Unleashes. I am your host Marissa. This is a podcast where strong females share how they got to where they are today. Today's episode is with Annie Delano and she's an extraordinary casting director. Her casting company, AND Casting, has casted over 10,000 background extras for Hulu and independent production. When not casting, Annie loves producing commercials and has worked on jobs for Microsoft, Lexus, Coca-Cola. She currently serves as the vice president and Addy Awards co-chair for her local chapter of the American Advertising Federation. In her downtime, Annie is currently dreaming of all the places she'll travel when the pandemic comes to a close. To see Annie's work of casting background extras, check out The Ultimate Playlist of Noise, a Hulu original, on January 15th. And to sign up to be an extra and to learn more, visit andcasting.com. You can also follow and learn about casting opportunities on her Instagram and Facebook page at andcasting. At 11 years old, She loved the Oprah Winfrey show, and her goal essentially was to work in a production on a show like that. And then full speed ahead, years later, she was getting so much work freelancing as a casting director, it made financial sense for her to make her own LLC. She has worked so hard. She got a call for background extras that was like 3,000 people, and it was in a city that she didn't know and had absolutely no connections. She did it, she swallowed her fear, and she hasn't looked back since, and it opened the gates to amazing opportunities for her, and we love that so much. She said something during the interview that for a second had time stopped for me. She said, I never set out to accomplish anything, and that's helped me accomplish everything. I have no expectations of what the future holds. And no one has ever said that or anything like that to me directly before and it really had me think about goals in my life personally and professionally and I thought it's a really aha moment for me. We do talk about casting for certain roles and she does mention the two types of casting that are the most popular. One is from a really famous show and one is for a specific channel for movies. 
Can you guess which they are? And in true intro fashion, I'm not going to give it away. And with that said, let's get this episode started. So Annie, tell me about how you became the owner of a casting company. Yeah, it's really funny. I did not set out to be in casting. Um, when I was in college, I was all into like commercial production. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to produce commercials for the rest of my life. But uh, one thing led to another. And I was casting a lot of local commercials in the area. And there was not in our market where I live, but in another market nearby, a company that I or a, a talent agency basically that I used to cast a lot of commercials from. And they were asked to cast fil- a film, background extras for a film, and they didn't have the capacity to do it because they were doing so many commercials. And as a freelancer, I didn't have any work at the time because, you know, that happens when you're a freelancer. And they called and were like, hey, our agency got this job to cast background extras. We can't handle it, but we know you cast commercials and a lot of people. Do you want to cast all this background extras for this film? And I'd never done it before. It was in a market I didn't know and I didn't live there. So I was like, I have no work right now. What, like, if I say no, like, I will never know what would happen. But if I say yes, I'll try it and see what happens. And I did one film and that led to 12 more. And it just so happened that it was for a company producing for Hulu. So when you were in college, did you know you wanted to do casting? Like, that's a very unique job to be honest like no one in college you know high school gives you like five things you can do and then you figure it out on your own by trial and error of of opportunities so take me through how you came to even do this that's exactly what happened so I didn't even consider casting as a job I knew that I would like loved producing commercials and that was kind of my thing I was like I always liked watching commercials I liked the production aspect. And I'm like, I'm great at producing commercials. But when I was doing many hats and I was doing some casting for commercials, you know, I never thought anything of it until I got this opportunity to cast background extras for Hulu. And I was really good at it. And it was unexpected that I was that good at it. And they just kept asking me to do more and more films um, because I was the third person that they had tried for background casting. And the other people were fired. And I was the only one that wasn't fired. And so they were like, do you want to do the next film and the next film? And after like three, they're like, we can't believe that, you know, you're still doing this with us and you're really good at it. And it just it just exploded after after like one or two films. It was obvious that I was good at it. And every single film that came through the market, they were asking me to do background casting for. So did you did you get into freelance casting after you graduated? Yeah, it was probably I mean, I did. I was always a freelancer. And I was just doing freelance commercial work. But, you know, the casting thing kind of just came up. I mean, it's been four or five years now, but it just kind of came up. And I was like, you know what? My philosophy is never say no to an opportunity. And that's like one that stuck with me forever, even since I was in college, is like if an opportunity comes up, say yes, if it's something reasonable so that you know you've experienced it, whether you fail or not, at least you tried it, you know. So when the opportunity came up to do background casting and I had no real like other work I was like sure why not even though I had no idea what I was doing I uh, had never cast a background extra before and it was 3,000 background extras was the quote for the first film 3,000 people in a in a market where I didn't live and I had no connections so it didn't seem unreasonable to me I figured I could do it either well or fail but at least it was a job you know to do 
and turns out like it I outdid myself on it somehow <laughs> but it was a challenge it was it was a challenge but you know that led to many many other films that's why I had to create my company because there were so many requests for background casting I needed to be an official company to manage all the tax side of things and the business end of things to make it legit so in college though did you intern at the news like what was the first what was the first job that you said that you saw that you were like oh this is a thing because you didn't just jump into it right so you had to have been introduced to it somehow and you're like hmm this is interesting well when i was in college i uh, initially like okay you graduate high school and you're in college and i was thinking that i was going to be a teacher for the first two years of college But then I sat down and I really thought about all the aspects of teaching that I liked. And the ones that I liked the most were really production related. Because when I was in high school, I would help like produce like assemblies for kids, you know, and that kind of stuff. So I realized that what I really liked was working with people and producing like events or productions, because in that case, these assemblies were videotaped. So I was like, well, that kind of works. And I kind of always this is ironic I've always wanted to work for the Oprah Winfrey show like all through high school I was like I'm gonna be a producer on the Oprah show one day so I knew that producing and television and that kind of stuff was a job but it wasn't until I was in college where I was like okay I think this is the way I want to go and my junior year in college when I transferred I met like some great production people who kind of helped me in the beginning you know meet other freelancers in the area and that that really helped jumpstart my career. But aside from that, it is work and networking. And it's it's a lot of work and networking in the beginning. Like it wasn't like I met them and they just gave me all the work. I had to, you know, put all my time and effort in. Yeah, you had to earn it. Yes. And that's that's yeah. main things that, you know, is so important is you can't just start at the top. You know, I had to put so much work and energy in to just building relationships in the beginning that now like 10 years later it's paying off but you know you don't see that when you're doing it but it is like knowing in the beginning knowing what kind of coffee the camera operator likes and getting the coffee right for him every time you know it's those those things are the most important when you're starting out I feel like and this is just a pure outsider thing it's totally referrals you refer your beauty, your glam squad, you refer your photographer, you know, you refer actors, right? It's all based <laughs> off of who you know. Yeah, and that's the thing is um it's kind of an interesting field to be in where everybody knows everyone or you get your work based on who refers you or who you know. And everybody's like, "Oh, how do you even start with that in the beginning?" But it if you have the right work ethic, you know, one or two jobs in, then your name goes around as someone who's reliable and can actually get work done. And then the more you do, the more work you get. And it kind of builds on that. But I could have chosen not to be a freelancer. I could have gone and worked for like an ad agency or a production company. But I always wanted to see what it was like to be a freelancer and work for all the different people so that I could know all the different agencies and all the different players in a market, you know, be the best that I could be and then figure out what I wanted to do. And I just kept freelancing. It wasn't. You really diversified yourself. That's a really that's great that you put yourself out of your comfort zone to try different things with different people to see what you liked and the amount of people that you meet doing that and it, I don't think that's easy I think because people are comfortable with being comfortable at times 
that right. sometimes it's like, I just do this one thing and I stick to it because I know it. And that's like, that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned and that I wish other people knew is that the more you do that makes you uncomfortable, the more comfortable you become at a situation. And then you never know what those opportunities are. So I used to have a rule when I was in college and it was like a self-driven rule that I would go to a networking event at least every other week. And at the networking event, I would have to hand my business card out to five people that I did not know. And I couldn't leave until I handed it out and talked to five strangers. So that really helped me. Even if those five strangers were completely irrelevant, I still made it like the rule. And eventually I found the relevant ones, but that really helped me just learning to talk to people. And then I took that skill and used it to talk to people who wanted to be background extras, basically. So it wasn't a skill that went away for nothing. Like it, it was an important one. So when you had that moment though, where I have so much work and so much referrals that I need to make my own business, can you take me through your mindset of what you were thinking? So after the first two films, I started making more money than I could do with for my accountant. So like I needed an LLC to be able to write stuff off my taxes because it was more of a practicality thing. It was more like, hey, I actually made some money doing this and now I'm going to be screwed on my taxes if I don't incorporate and follow the proper protocol. So it was built out of necessity. But I have a great accountant who kind of walked me through the whole thing and was like, you know, you really need to do this. And he told me like weeks before, like, oh, he's like, if you're going to do this, you should really start an LLC and you should start a company. And I didn't believe him and just like, was like, oh, I'll get to it one day. And then finally that one day came and I was like, oh my God, I think I actually have a company, you know, which was very fun and something that I never expected, but it really helped solidify my brand and people calling and, and it's worked out really well. I never thought that I would run a casting company. I thought I'll be a commercial producer and, you know, I don't really need an LLC to do that. Like, cause I'll just work for other people and the tides completely changed and I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did, but I like running my own company. Do you self-reflect on that a lot, especially being, I, I'm assuming you're around my age, around 30. Yeah. So like being able to accomplish so much. Pandemic. Uh, <laughs> same. <laughs> everybody, everybody, I'm sure everybody has at this point, but yeah, I really, that was actually the best part of the pandemic because I turned 30 in April, like at the peak of it in the beginning, I was like, okay, so I'm like 30 now and what's going on with my life, you know? It was nice because I did have time during the pandemic to stop and reflect and realize like, wow, I've accomplished a lot, even though it doesn't feel like it at this exact moment. I did. I do have moments all the time of looking back going, I really like I don't think most people can say that they've been a freelancer their whole life and now run this casting company, you know, that's cast. I've cast over 10,000 background extras. And it's it's an insane number to think about because. That means, you know, I've talked to 10,000 people because you have to talk to every single one of these background extras. So just to think about all the people that I've talked to and that I've had to work with and all the hours and blood, sweat and tears that I put in, you know, it it's been a ride. What's one thing that you've learned that having to do it on your own that you didn't learn when you were freelancing? Well, I still consider myself a freelancer, even though I run my own company, because I have to actually go out and bid on the contracts for the films. And I have to write my own contracts 
to secure the film. So it's not like I have a stream of them coming in every single time. Like I work with different people, but every time there's a new film, I have to go and network and ask and be like, can I do this next film? Can I do the background casting for this? You know, I have to go out and get the work. And then once I actually get it, then I have to negotiate like, okay, this is how much I'm going to, I need to be paid. You know, how many background extras are there? And I have to negotiate each one of the films. So I still consider myself a freelancer because that's what I did as a freelancer. Like, oh, I want to do this commercial. Here's how much it's going to cost, you know? So I don't actually think that people realize that there's not like, people just giving me background casting work, I have to apply. And like this morning, I just applied for two other jobs this morning. Like it's constantly applying, putting yourself out there and getting the work. Now it's a tiny bit easier because my body of work and my resume, you know, shows that I know how to do what I'm doing. But it's a lot of work to get the work, you know. And I think people who, you know, a lot of people probably realize that if you work at an agency and you have to find your clients and, you know, maintain them and everything but that is I thought maybe oh I'll just keep getting more work but it's work to get the work so take me through high level of how this actually works like when you said like bidding and things like that like I never even thought I have no idea how how it works so can you take on a super high level of how how it works so basically a film comes to an area to do whatever I own, I personally only work on feature films that are SAG, so union films, um, and have actual budgets. There's lots of independent feature films, and, and they're great, and, and I don't mind working on those, but, you know, it's so much work. There has to be some financial gain in it, you know. So a film comes to a region. Right now in New York State, there's great tax incentive for people to come and film in our region. And especially with the pandemic, they're coming from New York and filming all over. So a film comes in. Usually I hear about it through a um, not a film commissioner, I guess. Usually a film commissioner calls me or someone that I know will say, hey, this film is coming. Do you want to cast background extras? Or I hear about it on social media or something. And there's always like a, a spot where you can send your resume in. So I have to send in a resume. Once I contact the producer, I have to negotiate how we're going to do the casting. So it's like formulas based on how many background extras and how long it's going to take. And then I find people in that region to work as extras. There's always a breakdown of how many people they're going to need and what types of people they're looking for. So it's finding those types of people on the right days to be extras. But there's an abundance of people that want to be extras because it's a paid job and it's fun. And I think everybody has that desire to see how behind the scenes work you know, once in a while, like, I think it's appealing for people. And it's not bad pay. And it's not a hard job to be an extra. And they don't say any lines, right? No, that's the thing is like, there's really no acting involved. It's it's filling restaurants, it's filling stadiums, it's filling, you know, buses and hospital waiting rooms and all these really mundane roles that are everyday life that you need everyday people for. But those people, you know, just get to be on screen. It's It's fun. It sounds fun. Yeah. Especially if you're, you know, run from the zombie, you know, kind of. <laughs> yes, that's you're really one. scared. Yes, that's the number one requested. So there's like two kinds of films that most people ask to me to be in. And I don't, I've never cast either one, although I want to. Zombies and Christmas Hallmark Christmas movies. So many people have asked me to be background extras in Hallmark Christmas movies. And I don't know why it's like a thing, but that and zo- movies with zombies, everybody wants to be 
a background extra in one of the two. Yeah, they want to be running from something. So, yeah. Or like, I would love to. I would say I would love to be in like a Jurassic Park, like not zombies, but dinosaurs. I'll run from dinosaurs. That right. would be fun. Green screen, um, green screen dinosaurs coming at you. <laughs> right. And I think that's even harder, though, too, because you're not running from actually anything. But with zombies, a lot of the times, though, it's people, at least in a green suit, right? Like running. Right. So it's yeah. something. Right. And that's and I mean, that's part of what other people like to see, too. Like you want to be a background extra to see, you know, how a film is made and who you're going to see on set that day. And like there is some element of fun and excitement around it. So most people are extremely excited to be an extra and they're like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Now's my chance. So I actually love making people's dreams like that come true. So that that's one of my other favorite parts of the job. That's really sweet. Yeah. I know The Walking Dead has or they did have allegedly had a, a zombie school. So if you got casted as a zombie, I mean, you know, they have like hundreds yeah. of them. Right. They had to learn how to walk and how to. I guess I don't know how you would say that but they got trained what was it like a week or something like that it's like 14 days of it of how to actually be a zombie that's one of the most sought after background extra roles and they don't even put out that it's for the walking dead anymore so sometimes you'll see like a post that's like oh because it happens in Atlanta so I see all the background castings for all the other cities and a post will be out that says like we're casting for people that are tall and skinny, you know, and it won't say walking dead because they'll be flooded with people who want to do it, but they'll like put out the body type of the people they're looking for. And like that way, less people apply. And it's kind of like, then you find out it's the walking dead, you know, that sounds awesome. Look for those posts. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody can sign up for the database. We have films like all over. I've done New York State, Texas, like it's 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 not like a specific region because I work remotely. So wherever you're listening from, you know, you can go and sign up to be a background extra. And the system emails you when there's films in your area. So it, it only sends relevant information to whoever is signed up. Do you ever see anything weird on like do you go to set? Is there anything ever like a weird story that you can uh- share? So I only I only go to set like maybe once a film. The average film that I do takes anywhere between like 28 and 35 days. I will show up like once, but I have stood next to Ariana Grande on a set. That was fun. Is she it nice? Was fun. Um, I the rule was you couldn't talk to her. So um, I like knew she was gonna be there that day, and I was like, oh my god, where is she? And I was asking people where she was, and they're like, we think she's upstairs on this like side of the set and I just happened to be walking and then like five minutes later she was standing right next to me and I was like oh my god it's Ariana Grande I'm standing next to Ariana Grande she's really short and <laughs> and I was on, I was like I know it's her so but no if you I couldn't talk to her so there is stuff like that but wait so there's just rules when you walk in you like sign paperwork that you don't talk to people no they just told me that she didn't like nobody wanted like the crew wasn't supposed to talk to her oh yeah interesting yeah so I was like okay they're like you might see her you might not and I'm like okay they're like it's a rare sighting but she's around I'm like okay so but then I just like all of a sudden she was standing next to me it was it was interesting did she have her ponytail yeah it was super flat (laughs) her her ponytail was flat or was her hair flat her ponytail in but it was like super flat like it wasn't high it was just like she had a regular ponytail in Oh, so you saw her like at her like loungewear. Yeah, totally loungewear. 
Yeah, that was fun. I'm trying to think. There hasn't really been any other. I mean, I've met really, I've met cool people. There was, I wanted to meet Vince Vaughn, but I, he wasn't there the day that I went to SAT for that. There's always, I mean, it's, it's always like interesting to see what happens on set. And there's, there's always stories, but not being there. It's so much work to be a background casting director because you're working like eight or nine hours a day and you're always prepping multiple days in advance. So I'm never like current on what's happening that day because by the time you get to the day that is shooting, I've already done that day with the talent that's needed and gone on to like the next three days. So I'm always working three days ahead of production and it's it, it's so you're in your own bubble and and not a lot of information gets communicated. Like the information that I get is like, oh, we can never use this background extra again because X, Y, Z, they did something wrong on set, you know? Like, okay. okay. So do you, you talk know, to, so you, do you interview each individual extra or uh, you just look at their profiles? So I look at their pictures first and then it depends on how many people are in a scene. So like if, we did like a prom scene and it was like a thousand extras. So I don't talk to every single one of them, but if it comes down to like maybe like 10 people or less on a set day, then I I try to talk to every single person. I mean, I send all the information out of like what to wear, where to be and all of that stuff. And if people need to, they call me, but it's, it's too much to talk to a thousand people. But if it's 10 people or less, usually I talk to people just to make sure that they're going to show up and, you know, if they have any questions when there's 10 people, there's like a sweet number. When there's 10 people or less, people get confused and lost about where to go because there's not a lot of people going to where they're going. So it they usually have a harder time. But when there's like a thousand people, everybody's going in the same direction and doing the same thing. So there's no way for people to get lost. So it's almost like the larger numbers are easier on extras because everybody's doing the same thing. Whereas like if you're you have two people, the guy's just showing up and he's only the only background extra for the day. It's like nobody knows where he's going and what he's supposed to be doing. And so those are the people. The days where it's less people are the days I have to actually work harder to communicate with people. Do they have to bring I'm this is this is a silly question, but I'm just curious. And then I want to get back to you. But this in I don't know anything about this industry, so I'm learning a lot and thank you for this. But do they have to bring their own costumes? Yes. Yeah. Really? So if you're yeah. in a prom scene. They have to bring their own prom dress. Yes. And and this is part of the reason why I really only work on union films, because if you're if you're working on a union film, everything is standardized. So you get a set amount of money for bringing a costume that's above and beyond what you would wear on a normal day. So you get paid extra to bring your prom dress. I only I think it's fair because it is a job to be a background extra. You know, like people should be paid a standard rate and there's rules. And those rules are there for a reason so that nobody's taken advantage of. They're allowed one wardrobe. So you're supposed to show up in what you're wearing. And then anything else you bring, you get financially compensated for it. And there are rules written down to like, I don't know the exact amount, so don't quote me. But it's like, you get $7.50 for every shirt you bring. You get $11.30 for every pair of pants you bring. You know, you get X amount of dollars for bringing your prom dress. You get, you know, X amount of dollars for having your car be on set. So everything that extras bring in a union film is financially compensated in some way. That's so interesting. My mind is so blown. It's such a, it's, it's it is the most, it's, it's a fascinating, I, I would, this is so subjective, but I feel like obviously it's one of the most wanted industries to be in, but it's got such high unpredictable standards. 
it's interesting. And and honestly, on set, the background extras are not always treated the best. But again, that's where the union comes in and like protects people. It's it's not a position that the crew is like, you know, it, it's usually a bunch of starstruck wannabe people who are on set just to have fun. And the crew is there to do their job. But in a way, without background extras in a film, you wouldn't have a film. Like they are everywhere on film and TV and commercials. It's what makes each scene look realistic. If you didn't have extras, your scenes would be flat, you know? I mean, yeah, there are some where scenes where like you're in a house with the main characters or whatever, but in other scenes, if you didn't have other people riding a bus or, you know, other people walking down the street, it would look so dead. So it's it's such an important part of a film that I never thought about, but now all I do is watch back on extras. <laughs> <laughs> right it's exactly what you mm-hmm. what you do is how you what you watch yeah I uh, totally I'm like oh my god I'm like did you guys see that extra <laughs> and everybody's like what we don't care <laughs> that's so that's so funny it's like to me that has to be the way that like if a pilot is a passenger yeah and, and the pilot and they, he's like oh that was a rusty land it was a rough landing you right, know right exactly yeah and and I'm like I'm always amazed at like so films that are on locations or wherever they're shooting. In the, and I'm always thinking, did they get those background extras as locals or did they fly them in from California or did they bust them in from New York or did they, how did they get there? Like, do those people really live there? You know, I have questions for other films that I see about how they curated their background extras. It's fascinating. So I want to talk about you. You and I know each other. You were yeah. one of the most passionate. I went to school with Annie. So you were passionate. You were always on top of your game. You really appreciated the curriculum and our professors. We had a really small schools. We had like 27 students, I think per teacher, right? It was like a 27 mm-hmm. or 25 to one ratio. And I'm, I have to totally that. fact check that. I mean, this is our podcast. We make up the rules and statistics as we go. So, right. but it's something super close like that. And I feel like the just like you're a really passionate person like myself and I feel like I haven't talked to you in a really long time that I feel like you're taking the passion that I saw and like really just putting it into your work too I feel like overall you're a really passionate person like have you always been that way was there influence in your life that Um, that molded you to that kind of I mean I always have just loved life you know and every day I wake up and I'm like I love life what's gonna happen today that's awesome you know, and there are some days, obviously, that it's not like that, but I would say the majority of them are. And I think my mom is definitely like someone who loves life and is passionate, but she also always just encouraged everyone to follow their dreams and like do whatever, you know, made you happy. So I would say if I was working in a job and had a life that didn't fulfill my happiness, I wouldn't be as enthused and excited as I am, you know. So that definitely helps. But I feel like I've always kind of just been this bubbly, happy, passionate person for lots of different things. Yeah. Like I loved watching Oprah as a kid. Like I was passionate about that. (laughs) But that's kind of like where I was watching and being like, oh, I want to work there. Like I want to experience like that side of TV production. But I was like 12, you know, like, so that I don't know, my mom, my mom is a really great person. And, and she's definitely, I definitely got my enthusiasm and passion from life or from her. I love that. Do you have far goals? Or are you happy where you are? Are you taking it day by day? Or is there anything more that you want to accomplish? Um, 
so I never set out to accomplish anything. And that's been something that has helped me accomplish everything because I have no expectation of what the future holds. So yes, I have like some milestones like, oh, I want to, you know, have a job and a career, but it didn't go beyond that. So by not having an expectation of where life was going to go, I kind of just decided that I'm just going to follow whatever path it is. And that has helped me tremendously get to where I am because I go back to like not saying no to an opportunity. If I had, you know, had a set career goal path, whatever, I might have chosen differently and said no to certain, like I might have said, oh no, I only do commercials. I don't cast background for feature films, you know? So I might not have taken that, which then would have closed off this entire side of the business, which is now boomed for me, you know? So I don't really, I don't really say no to an opportunity and I kind of just fly by the wind. <laughs> I have no idea what the end goal is. It, it's just so, it's so far reaching, but I think by not having a goal, it's an infinite possibility. Like right now I'm working on a very cool project, which I can't really talk about, but um, during the pandemic, when I had hardly any background casting work, it was a great moment for me because I was able to reflect and I worked on this very cool project, which is in the process of being pitched to a bunch of different networks right now. So like, that's something that I, I never, my mind was just blown. I was like, how does this even happen? But again, if I had a straight line goal in mind, I would have said, made a different choice maybe, and, and it wouldn't have worked out the way it did. So that's, that's the long and the short of not living with goals. I have goals, but I just don't have like a, I know. Does that does that answer sound okay? A hundred percent. And that's my mind is blown right now. And that's a totally different answer that that no one's ever given before. And no, there's no wrong answer to that question. It's just the and this is one of the reasons why we we bring everyone who's different to different people from different stories to the podcast is to be able to get different answers. And I learned just as much as everyone else does. So you and I did not talk before this. So it's no. super cool. I learned and some, I'm honestly speechless and it's really motivating for me for what you said as well. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. Also from a marketing standpoint, and I know I'm totally turning a curve here, but um, oh. you know, I've um, with the marketing background, I love your website and I love your logo. Thanks. I really love it. I this is how I do. I like didn't make my logo. I had my co my cousin works for Mailchimp in Atlanta, and I was just like, she makes graphics for Mailchimp, and I was like, hey, I started an LLC, and I need a logo like this week. Can you do something for me? And she was like, what? And then like she's like, since when? And I'm like, well, I just needed to start this LLC because. X, Y, and Z, and I need a logo so I can open like a bank account. And <laughs> she was like, yeah, sure. So she like mocked something up for me and sent it over and I used it. But I greatly appreciate that because my degree is not in marketing. I, I am, I'm not a marketer. Like I know how to market myself well, but to be visually appealing and, you know, market on the web is just a foreign concept to me. I even had someone do my social media in the beginning because it's just not my thing. Like, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. And I think it's important to delegate your weaknesses to people who are stronger in those areas. And so graphic design and marketing was not my um, forte. But I pre I know that that's your thing and I appreciate yours too. Because I remember, how long ago were we on the panel together? 
Oh, wow. That's a question. We were on, uh, was it for Rosemary, was yeah. it for Professor Sheridan? That yeah. had to have been, it was over three years ago. Okay, I thought it was longer. But I remember seeing your marketing materials and your table and how great everything looked. And I was like, oh, Marissa's got it all together. She had like the perfect table and the perfect the perfect materials and everything was all laid out. And I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea how to do this. I mean, I know how to network, but like to market like, you know, on the next level. So, but I do think that's one of the things that people should do is delegate to those who do something better than you like know what you can and cannot do because that's helped me a lot too first off i appreciate that very much i wanted to set the standard for kids so for the listeners annie and i went back to our alma mater yeah i'm saying that right okay cheers to that did totally thought i was gonna get that wrong <laughs> and uh <laughs> we uh, were on a panel with multiple different people who graduated from different years from that major and gave advice and stories right. and things like that so i tried to set the standard of what it takes or just you know keep put the expectations high in that aspect but i very much appreciate that yes uh, very much so. it, was visually, it was visually appealing oh thank you and, and one thing though is i I even say to this day, and I totally agree with you, is that I hire people who are better at me at what they do. Yes. It is what it is. Why would you not? If we're right. hiring a digital marketing analyst or content specialist, why would I not hire someone that's better at their job than I would be? Because that's why you're hiring them. Right. You're doing yourself and the company a disservice if you're not getting the best talent. Right. right. And as a freelancer, it's so important for me. Like, I mean, I, I hire people a lot as a freelancer to contract out. Like I get a, if I get a commercial job, let's say I end up hiring like my crew, like I hire my DP, my camera operator, I hire my audio person, my gaffer, the lighting, like I hire a lot of freelance crews. And in the casting world, I have had a couple of assistants that have worked for me. And, you know, it's important to hire someone who knows their job, you know, and can do a better job than you could do. That's why you're hiring them. And it only, it only benefits everyone. Right. Right. So, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. So Annie coming to the end, Yes. we asked the same question for everyone who comes on the podcast. And what is one thing that you've experienced that everyone should go through? I thought about this question a lot because I knew it was coming because about listening to the previous podcasts. I really think that people should go through, first of all, starting at the very bottom and working your way up is really important. I honestly wish that I saw more people doing this, but it, like putting in the time and energy and effort at the very like lowest entry level position and working your way up has made a huge difference to me. It, it's just set me up to understand everyone's roles more than if I only did my role. You know, and it doesn't just apply to like whatever your career is in life, but it's it's really anything in life. You know, if you put the time and energy in and you do all the different facets of a job, I feel like you're just a more well-rounded individual. And I don't see enough people doing that. You know, you might think you're really good at something, but then, you know, you try another thing and you're even better at it. And it's just surprising how much you can learn about yourself and other people and other people's jobs when you step in the shoes of different roles. And so I think it's really important that people take the time to actually like learn about people, learn about people's jobs, do the job like hands on and see what you like and what you don't like. But I do think it gives you a greater appreciation and 
overall knowledge of how the puzzle pieces of life work together when you stepping in and doing other things. So that's why I wish that everybody kind of can experience that. And I don't think it's necessarily like natural or easy for people to do that, you know, because sometimes you're in your one track mode and you're just this is what you do, you know, but I do think it's important for a balanced life. Beautiful answer. Beautiful answer. So to see Annie's work of casting background extras, check out the ultimate playlist of noise, a Hulu original coming out on January 15th. To sign up to be an extra and to learn more, visit andcasting.com. You can also follow her and the casting on Instagram and Facebook at andcasting. Annie, you're super driven. You always have been since I've known you. You're passionate. You're curious and you're fearless. And I love your energy. I feel like we have very similar energy and I'm feeding off of it right now. Uh, You're officially a lady with lions. We are so happy to have you and for you to take the time to learn about you and what you've done in the industry. I am, my mind is so blown from this conversation and I just love learning from you and people like you and it really motivates me. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I was so excited to be on and I I hope that people are inspired. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you inspired me. Thank you. I appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. We will talk to you soon. Bye, girl. Bye. Bye.